0: Welcome to MLD Wealth, Money Matters, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights on the market and economy. Hosted by Chad Larson, top ranking portfolio manager at CG Wealth Management and founder of MLD Wealth Management. In this podcast, Chad shares concise, clear, and authentic views on the market, helping gain greater clarity on the current state of the investment landscape facing investors. Hey guys, uh, Chad Larson here, MLD Wealth. I think you all knew who I am. Uh, this month, I for the month end of kind of our core strategies, off the back of our last send out, I got a lot of positive feedback from doing this in a video format. This one might be a little bit longer than 10 minutes, but there's a lot of stuff. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd love the chance to sit down with each and every uh, one of you um, to go through this, but it's pretty boring too, <laughs> but I wanted to give you an insight into kind of what we're seeing and given that volatility we've seen in the marketplace, this would be something I'd like to walk you through some key things that we're looking at and to make sense of what we're seeing in the world. Obviously, the S&P is down significantly year-to-date, the NASDAQ's been clobbered, um, a lot of talks about inflation, a lot of talks about interest rates. Um, so I'm just going to flick through kind of some charts and talk to you a bit about things and Hopefully you can follow along. We're going to talk about the U.S. economy um, because, quite frankly, it is it's the biggest economy in the world. It it kind of drives the bus here. Um, The S&P 500, it's at an inflection point Um, from a valuation standpoint. We've seen um, a massive correction on the P.E. ratio um, saying, you know, obviously in the tech bubble, it was about 25 times earnings. It's consolidated and corrected. Um, you know, from about 19 times uh, in 2020 2020 to about 17.3. All of this being said, with a bunch of stuff, I've probably lost your attention already, is that every time we have a significant correction, we see here after the dot-com bust, minus 49%. uh, We go into the 0708, the financial crash market went down 57%. They're always followed by sequential big surges in the economy. This last one, you know, being from the 08 crash uh, up until kind of COVID, we saw uh, a minus 34% peak to trough and, you know, a big resurgence as the reopening trades kind of happening. But up here, we see this is where things peaked in May uh, of this year, and the market is, you know, corrected significantly. Um, Does it have more to go? Or is it? You know, and it might. My very well might, but the the point is, is that after every period of severe correction, markets do recover and go higher. So when? So one of the things is what's causing this. You know, what makes up returns? You can see through what this is showing you is, you know, year to date earnings growth is actually up. I've been saying in our commentary. Corporate balance sheets look great. We're seeing earnings surprise. We're seeing revenue growth. Companies are doing well. Stock market's doing bad. Um, So we've just seen evaluations collapse. Uh, It's been the multiple growth that has compressed the valuation. So this is not so structural in that the stock, the companies themselves are performing poorly. And looking at analyst consensus going forward, we're going to continue to see uh, strong earnings per share out of the S&P 500. that being said, you know, let's check off a few other bucks, but quite frankly, corporate corporations look healthy. Sources of earnings per share per growth. You know, it has contracted, um, you know, going back kind of historically from 2001 to 2021, on average earnings per share growth in the market about 9.1% per year. Um, right now, year to date, it's at about 7.6. But interestingly enough, Big revenue increases, again, validating the fact we are seeing strong top line beats from the S&P 500, just we're seeing some margin compression. And that has to do with interest rates going up, less so, more supply constraints, uh, inflation into the labor force, etc. So what you can see is that annual growth broken into revenue and changes in profit and changes in share count. Value versus growth, we've been talking for a long time. You know, we had the benefit of having exposure to high growth technology stocks, which dominated the S&P over the last bull run uh, and have been tilting more to value. So right now, value is um, performing and is outperforming uh, and will continue to have that. That being said, value stocks will get expensive. The trade will become crowded. And a lot of these corporate, you know, companies, tech companies that have pulled back, you know, upwards 50, 60%. There's been actually no structural changes to their business, just people's perception and appetite for owning them. So, you know, opportunistically um, buying some of these uh, massive corrections. I don't think Amazon uh, is selling 30% less goods and services and their business has been impaired, but their stock's down over 30%. Um, This chart really talks about the S&P 500 and the concentration within it. Obviously, like the Fang stocks, which we've heard about forever—Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Apple, Google—the um, weight of those top ten stocks uh, in the S and P peaked, obviously, because technology had been dominating the market. That started to come down. The earnings contribution uh, we've seen based in the last twelve months has significantly dropped. So the amount of weight that the top ten companies is carrying has um, decreased. So the less concentration of these tech companies because they've naturally come down in price. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. It's it's busy, but it talks about you know the rel- returns and valuations on a per sector basis, you know, whether it be energy, materials, financials, industrials, uh, consumer discretionary, and it gives uh, gives us to kind of a guidepost of where we're where we're seeing growth in the economy. Um, this one I've I've presented this chart in many of the newsletters over the last uh, three years. Is pullbacks entry year are normal. They, they literally happen every year. There's a peak to trough. Having a severe correction in the market, it happens all the time, and I, I think everyone needs to understand that even off of, you know, uh crazier last year, there was still at one point in the year the market was down 5. You know, another year of strong performance in the S&P 500. They still has, there's always a time within the year um, and on average a 14% drop peak to trough in these years. So this is normal, albeit not fun, and and I agree with you. One of the things that this slide is more to see the conversation that I want to have later uh, in this presentation is economic growth and the composition of GDP now, what is GDP it's gross domestic product what makes that up this big blue slug it's consumption it's the American consumer there's obviously government spending and there's investment ex housing and there's housing and trend line you know here we are this sharp decline obviously is they you know they The economy was ground to a halt during COVID, um, but you know, through that recovery trade, you know, the the economy was coming roaring back and now we're in this kind of weird spot wondering where we're going. But all I wanted to make note for later is the consumer, the American consumer drives the economy. This is interesting. So how is the economy doing from the American consumer standpoint? This is the favorite topic of last couple of years COVID. Um, uh, you know, regardless of confirmed cases and fatalities, you know, that's uh, judicious to have opinions in the in the matter. But this is what, to me, is really interesting. This is data percent change from a comparable week for where we're sitting today compared to what this week looked like in 2019 when the world was, you know, much, much different. and was locked in their home. So today we're actually seeing a 35 percent increase in consumer debit and credit card transactions compared to this same week in 2019 where consumer debit and credit transactions were down 34 percent obviously everyone was stuck at home um, so the consumers out there hotel occupancy it's off four percent no big deal um, this week 2019 hotel occupancy was down 70. Uh, U.S. seated diners was down 100%. That's because all the restaurants were closed in the world. We're actually seeing increase uh, in historical data of people out having dinner. TSA traveler, this is airplane traffic, was down 96%. It's down nine from historical norms. We've seen a massive recovery in global travel, dining out, consumer discretionary spending. The consumer's in good shape. So, what does the consumer's balance sheet look like? Well, the consumer balance sheet makes up, you know, kind of this 07 peak of $85 trillion and a low of 09 of $73 trillion. So these are all the assets, things that they own, pensions, funds, deposits, homes. What's really interesting here is household debt service. So this is debt payments as a percentage of people's disposable income. It's spiked a little bit, it's really down. Um, from that 07 housing credit crash. This is the US consumer is not impaired. Now, a rising interest rate is going to be annoying. Is food inflation, uh, fuel, et cetera, going to start to co- change that a bit? Absolutely. But as a percentage of household debt, the US consumer is in a good shape. This one is wild the flow of personal savings. Pre pandemic growth trend of personal savings rates was near dead flatlined around 1%. Now, when the government decides to print trillions of dollars and pay people, stay at home, and there's nothing to do, net cumulative savings that are sitting in deposits is over $2 trillion in banking and checking accounts. There's a lot of cash um, around. Again, uh, please key off of this one. Maybe I'll just sit here and wave my arms around a little bit. This is consumer confidence in the stock market. We're inherently built in the wrong fashion to react to volatility. When the market's really high, we're excited. We feel like we can do anything. It's gold chains and jet skis for everybody. And when the market crashes, everyone's freaking out, wants to run the cash and thinks the world's going to end. Listen, when sentiment peaks, there's been eight sentiment peaks since 1971, when everyone's fired up, the average subsequent return of the market in the next 12 months is 4%. Alternatively, there's been eight sentiment troughs. That's when people are freaking out and they're really and the news is saying doom and gloom and everyone's worried that the world is going to end and their stocks are all down. The average subsequent 12-month return is 24.9%. We are currently at a near historic level of consumer confidence, pessimism. I don't know if I was a betting person, I would tell you when everyone's freaking out, really crying in their soup, probably a time to buy some stocks. Labor demand, this is gonna go back to just kind of the strength of the economy. Um, Job openings have never been higher. Yeah, I'll leave my politics out of it, but a lot of people don't wanna work, um, is what it is, but ample jobs available, yeah, people are quitting their jobs uh, at higher and higher levels and transitioning into the gig economy or, or you name it. But there's an incredible uh, demand for labor right now. Layoffs are at a historical low. Listen, there's a, a reason aside from supply chain disruptions and shipping and uh, manufacturing out of China, trying to get people to come to work. It's hard uh, right now. So unemployment and wage growth, everyone says there's obviously disparity in the economy, but civilian unemployment rate and year-over-year wage growth, um, 50-year average of wage growth of 4% and a 50-year average of unemployment rate at 6.2%. We saw during the COVID pandemic, um, unemployment was 14.7% as everyone just laid off everyone because their businesses were shut down. That's obviously come down. Unemployment, sits right now at 3.6%. Very tight labor market. Wage growth above the 50-year average at 6.4%. Companies are having to pay people more to work. So in lies inflation. People are going to have to pass those uh, um, um, costs on to the consumer. Um, this is, I, I had a note up here. Uh, this is super nerdy, um, but it the bond market is, Much smarter than the equity market. It's 10 times the size. There's a lot more credit in the world than there is equity. But we just, on the, you know, bonds have been crushed. You know, 30 year treasuries are down 22%. The 10 year bond is down 11%. Some of the flagship, the RBC Global Bond Fund, down 12%. There was no hiding. There was no hiding from the equity market in the bond market. Everything just came down. Markets have been seemingly going up like escalators and down like elevators. But these two things tell me a lot. The U.S. aggregate bond market is down 9%. The U.S. high yield market is down 8%. Listen, high yield companies by nature have a higher credit risk. They have a higher risk of default. They have a higher risk of you know, going bankrupt. The fact that the U.S. aggregate bond market performance has been worse than the high yield market only tells me one thing. This was a push on liquidity, nervousness, uh, a flight to the sidelines by an endless you know, media cycle of doom and gloom. China's no COVID policy, Russia and China, uh, a hawkish Fed, which is, you know, my nerdy talk for rising interest rate environment. People just panicked and there's no, uh, no reason whatsoever in like mathematically, pragmatically, that U.S. high yield uh, should draw down less if we're going into a severe recession. So this is what high yields look like during recessions. It's when the fear of um, businesses failing, uh, the spread to worst, or the amount people have to be paid to be willing to own junk bonds um, happens. Um, obviously during the COVID pandemic, everyone just freaked out really quickly. Uh, but we're here we are with this blue line, which is the default rate. The default rate is, are these companies actually Failing. No. Companies are in great shape, but yet spreads are rising. Credible opportunity um, and saying, and also reconfirmation that this is a price action uh, correction, not so much a structural corporate earnings or business prowess uh, correction. Global equities, uh, I'll stick around with what the Morgan Stanley All-Country World Index and what its constituents look like. But listen, year-to-date, it's ugly out there. Um, you now, this is uh, the S&P uh, down 13, uh, Europe, X UK 15, UK is pretty flat, France. Everything's kind of garbage, except Brazil, because it's a hyper-dominated uh, resource market. So again, resources are, are leading the way. You know, this sitting over here of what the annualized returns look like. These are real, you know, these are real numbers. Uh, when you have a period of hypercorrection, it, you know, skews the numbers so bad. We're talking about, uh, you know, investors um, over the last 15 years in the UK and France having annualized returns of 2%. Um, this one we'll spend a titch of time on. This is a heat map. This is global inflation. year over year headline inflation by country, region and quarterly um, you can see it's mostly pretty calm, pretty pastel,y pretty blue, meaning very low inflation. And whammo, here's the world today. These are not even annualized numbers. These are monthly numbers. Inflation has hit the world. It is what it is. What are we gonna do about it and what does it mean? Well, one of the obviously in, in factors that contributes to this is global supply chain. Uh, pressures, and that's the Baltic Dry Index, which is what it costs to ship stuff uh, across and inbound air freight price index, supplier delivery time, backlogs, purchase stocks. You're seeing a lot of tension, and it has been going on all, like it hasn't lightened up. It got a little bit worse here. Um, Like since early 2020, we've seen a cumulative uh, increase in supply chain uh, pressures. And that is significantly 3.3 standard deviations above. It was, you know, much higher. Started to correct, and then China no COVID lockdowns again. People start getting worried about monkeypox. Um, we're all getting into seasonal times of the uh, the globe, where people are really abusing their work from home. Uh, I think the statistics now are, you know, the the bulk of the work from home flexibilities is Mondays and Fridays and Mondays and Fridays still dominate the planet as the most called in sick days on the planet. So whether we're gonna end up being Greece and no one wants to work, we'll see. Um, And kind of ending here, um, listen, this is the power of diversification versus the average investor. The average investor here, and I, I saved a lot of the blurb, but it's a lot of the do it yourself. These are 20 years annualized returns by asset classes. You can't put all your money just in stocks you can't put it all just in bonds you can you know what is a 60 40 you know we lean far more 70 30 and have the inclusion of alternative asset managers and you know private opportunities for clients but the average investor is one that freaks out and sells things when they're down we're all victim of cutting our uh, flowers and watering our weeds and making impaired uh, personal decisions around what to do um, and, you know, somewhere in and around, you know, what a balanced, more prudent investor looks like, you know, far outperforms that. And quite frankly, the difference of just parking all your money in the S&P and walking away is, you know, events like away when the market falls 54%. We've always said, I think, you know, the Shangri-La or the true um, acumen to what great portfolio management is um, for affluent investors that seek amongst other things. Um, capital preservation and earning their fair share of the market is not suffer significant drawdowns. Uh, I don't want to see client portfolios um, that track the NASDAQ, that track the S&P that are down 30% or 17% year to date, a level of pragmatism, but going back to a disciplined process, um, having great people and, you know, aligning to that philosophy uh, should continue to do well. Um, I've been 20 minutes. I have a ton more I'd love to talk about, but I hope this uh, was valuable to you, and, and like always, feel free to drop anyone on the team a line or give me a shout or shoot me a comment. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. The comments expressed in this podcast are the results of work done by MLD Wealth Management. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord Genuity Corp beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about the information contained in this video or have any related questions. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management in Canada is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp member Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.